smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the Unprecedented Podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. It's Friday, December 11th. Welcome back, everybody. John Aravosis here with Cliff Schechter. That's me. Hey. Hey. How's it going, folks? Cliff Schechter, the plexiderm expert. I can tell you all about your skin and how it will improve. Well, you know, the problem is, of course, our Patreon followers or pay payers won't know what we're talking about because I don't inflict our ads on them. Our ads are only for the public consumption. So if you're with Patreon, oh. you'll never, you'll never, you'll never fix those number 11s. Um, so <laughs> Cliff, we've got a number of issues today. Uh, I think we start with the latest with the election steal, that it would be Trump's um, way, get a little into the polling on that, how it's starting to cause more problems, why that matters. Cliff is going to educate us a little bit on Rwanda. Um, progressives are getting upset. Or mind you, when people say progressives, they may mean democratic socialists. I know we have to be very clear with right. these terms because yeah. yeah. Well, let's and we'll get, let's get into that. But are upset. And I'm not blaming you, John. It's just I think that I think there are no. People, I fell for it. Well, no. There's just a lot of folks right now who refer to themselves as progressive and try to claim yeah. that mantle and say that they define who's progressive. You know, and and I'm sorry, but you know, some of those people are like Glenn Greenwald, who is essentially a, a, a neo-Nazi at this point. So I'm not taking my oh. I'm not taking my my rule. I mean, he is. If you go read his stuff. Oh no, you mean he's you mean he's because he's pandering to Tucker. Well, he's going on Tucker's show. He's agreeing with Molly, whatever her name is, that lunatic Hemingway of the Federalist on oh, Twitter. He's being, oh, he's being retweeted by Donald Trump Jr. I mean. He oh, can wow. claim he's whatever the hell he wants to claim. I mean, a little Mar- you can tell because Marcy, who is we've had on the show, Wheeler, who's a very yeah. reasonable person, is getting more and more intemperate in her language about him. I think she called him – him like a dog. I think she called him a cra- – like something like a crazed little boy crying in the shadows today. I mean she's getting to the point of like ad hominem that – that she doesn't usually engage in. And I just think because everybody, right. it, it, it's so clear that he's either a, at this point that either the Russians are paying him, have something on him, or he's lost his mind is the only other option. Because if, if somebody isn't forcing him to do all of this, it's well, so or, self-discrediting or, 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 and so embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, let's, I'll finish the list of what we're talking about today, but in any case, no, well, I'll just say quickly, I don't, the, 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 the Sirotas and Nina Turner's and Glenn Greenwald's don't get to define what progressive is. That's no, correct. Right. Correct. I was going to say also, it's possible. He just like probably a lot of them has seen that it's quite lucrative to fill this niche. No, perfect. Right. That doesn't make him progressive though. It makes him a con. <laughs> so the last two issues, maybe, maybe not. We'll see how this all goes. Is uh, Biden weighed in on the defund the police slogan, and some of the people on the left are upset with Biden about student loans, which we may or may not get into, depending how things go. Because you know us, we'll go through the issues, but we'll probably branch off. So, Cliff, let's start with the latest on Trump's crazy election steal crap. Um, you want to just tell people where crazy we are? election steal crap? I like that. That should be a f- sort of coined phrase. Yeah. So where are we? Um, and you can fill in anything I miss. Um, yep. The crazy old guy um, is now screaming and yelling, and he's doing everything he can to delegitimize Biden, saying that it's going to be, you know, a, you know, a corruption-filled, um, a corruption-filled uh, administration if he goes for it. Of course, there's Actually, zero. Can I, wait, can I tell you on that one? The, yeah, what go is for relevant it. Relevant about what Cliff just said is. Trump argued in a tweet this morning that Biden's administration will be so scandal plagued, quote unquote, that it makes it much easier for the Supreme Court to throw out millions of votes and hand the election to Trump. Right. And again, as always, the the, 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 as always, 
like that's a legal argument (laughs) right well first of all like that's a legal argument second of all the projection level yeah in this scummy trashy i mean i'm sorry gauche gross like just no standards barren heart no no competence no interest in doing anything but what fills his grubby little pockets. I mean, this whole family of Beverly hillbillies are just the grossest level, you know, and that, that he could even ever, even refer, I mean, Joe Biden, there is no corruption, but like, he doesn't even have the right to talk about people where there is like this guy who's a fucking, you know, mobster serving as president right now. Amazing that he does it though. Yeah. There's a certain, thing i almost admire about i know there is how gross it is that every level of this guy's administration there's people that that a lot of folks you don't even remember their name remember tom price remember scott pruitt remember these people from like the first year or two that he put in at the epa and hhs that were so scandal plagued that that used taxpayer money to fly first class and take private chartered jets you know remember what's his name's wife buying that huge table and stuff right like you know carson (laughs) he's still there yeah yeah i mean like we've forgotten there's so i mean this place is so corrupt from a to z from i mean it's literally you probably would have to this is among the trump appointees there's obviously lifetime people who've done an incredible job even remaining and staying in their posts and being professional but among all the Trump appointees, I'd be willing to bet anybody any amount of money that um, that it's not like you have to search for people that are corrupt. You have to search for the ones that aren't, yeah. who haven't yeah. committed spousal abuse yeah. or haven't assaulted somebody or haven't, you know, stolen some big chunk of money from the taxpayers or haven't made, I mean, you know, lied under oath, which is but clear plenty. Why don't you take, okay, take it back, though, to what we're talking about then? What, um, I don't what even is, remember anymore. What is the latest? <laughs> What is the latest with the election steal? Well, so, I mean, so, yeah, he is claiming that, that, that Biden's corrupt and all this sort of stuff. And, and as you said, the Supreme Court has to hand it to him. But worse, again, as if we need another perfect example, Ken fucking Paxton, the, the attorney general of Texas, who, who has been filed the who, main case that they're relying on, right? who has been under investigation now for four years. And again, these are things that make you question how our system works. He's under because indictment, I believe, right? He may, I don't, yeah, you know what? That may be true for campaign finance abuses, for bribery, for any number of things that this guy, that this guy is even has not been disbarred yet, which he should have been, I think, and, and forced to you know, step down from office because I assume indicted five years ago. <laughs> right. I assume I assume if you're if I assume yeah. if you're um yeah if you're uh disbarred you can no longer serve as attorney general. The fact that he was attorney general shouldn't have mattered. He should have been disbarred by now. And yeah. but the fact that he's not only hasn't been but he's still serving as attorney general and is able to go out and launch a lawsuit that any number of people who are conservative scholars I mean George Conway comes to mind looked at this thing and were like this is laughable. Yeah. These are states that there's first of all, there's no standing to begin with. All of the states, for better or worse, and I'd argue worse, uh, control their own elections. Right. Well, and, and let me put a finer legal point. What Cliff is talking about is the state of Texas is suing. I believe it's four or five other. I think it's, yes, four it's Wisconsin, other- Georgia, Michigan, and I think Arizona. Probably the four right. of the states where, where, where they you know want to try to overturn the result. Right. They have no standing to do so. Texas has no right to say what Nevada or Ohio or anyone else does with their elections any more than the other states. Just let me put a point. Okay, but I was kind of. Then they have a right to say what Texas 
Go right. Ahead, what, okay. What that legally means is in order to file a suit, you have to have been personally harmed. So the state of Texas has to have been personally harmed by what this other state did. For example, a border dispute. You could argue there, of course, right. whoa, they infringed on our border and took some of our land. Okay. Right. They're cutting or off Nebraska, I think, and one or two of the others, Kansas, <clears throat> maybe. Although I think it's changed now because there have <clears throat> been elections and it's changed the law. Huh. We're suing for while Colorado under this bullshit claim that, you know, pot smokers in Colorado were coming across and committing crimes or something. But while I, right. I, my, my, my whole thing would be their claims are total bullshit, at least in terms of the law, they had the ability to make that lawsuit because they're claiming a bo- it was a, a, people were coming across a border that was harming them. Yeah. So there was some harm, as John's saying, being There's done to literally them. Literally no harm other than Texas is trying to say, well, we voted for Trump, and if you let the other states steal it, then our vote doesn't count. And it's like, nah. and what the election lawyers are saying is, if the Supreme Court were to even let that argument stand, it means guess what happens next? Every Democratic state is going to start suing every Republican state for the same thing. Correct. It's, so it's, 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 it basically is, is the road to tyranny. It's ridiculous. And the only, again, it's sort of, I view it as the McConnellization of everything. Hmm. What McConnell has done as a Senate majority leader is, is all he cares about is protecting his power and protecting his donors and and along the way, he he does all these fake things where he stands up and he and he, he pretends he's for this, and then it's all performative. There's no actual legislating because he doesn't believe in that, unless the legislating is cutting regulations or taxes or putting judges on that will do the same. Because that's all that these guys care about, um, and that's you know, and that's all that matters to him. Right. So now the, the same performative bullshit is now. We've got our these Republican attorneys general doing it. 106 uh, uh, members. Maybe 17. I believe, just to help people find our point, 17 or 18 attorney generals from the various Republican states have now joined in the suit or at least are supporting it. Right. As well as an amicus brief, you know, friend of the court brief from 106 Republicans in the House. And how many are there in the House at this point? 180? It's a majority of their caucus. The majority of their caucus now ha- are, are trying to overthrow a free yeah. and fair election. And I can tell you, I read Trump's brief I read yesterday because Trump filed a brief when his lawyers filed a brief as well. And it is hysterical because you read through the brief and they literally say, we're not trying to allege that there was voter fraud. Literally, there's no claim that a single vote was stolen. They're claiming, but because they changed all the rules at the last minute and they weren't allowed to, you know, by, by, for example, extending voting or something, hours, whatever, it it could have led to fraud and and we'll never know. And then, Cliff, you're going to love this. Then they brought up the famous, you know, look at the data. Donald Trump won Ohio and Florida and nobody has won Ohio and Florida and lost the presidential election. Not only is that wrong because Nixon did, or no Republican, I think they said. But what does oh, no, that? I, but what I, does that matter? He's a Republican. He's a Republican. Doesn't matter. Yeah, Nixon. No, he was saying no Republican had ever lost at losing those. But two it's states. still wrong because Nixon was a Republican. Right. That's the point I'm making. Yeah, which okay, is, gotcha. I'm just trying to make clear what he said. He didn't say I'm no. Sorry, yeah, he gotcha. said no. But it doesn't even. It, that's like. <laughs> I mean, I that's know, like saying, anyway. you know, like like uh, you know, I've never drunk. I've never had a soda before on a 90 degree day. Now I did. So what? Right. It, like, could never something, it never happened before when the electoral vote counts were totally different. The coalitions each part. I mean, it's it's I mean, I don't even understand how to explain the illogic of that statement, how stupid that statement is. It's so dumb. I have trouble coming up with a metaphor for it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And to the, I'm trying to find, I, I grabbed a couple little quotes from the brief, including that one that were just so outrageous, but basically they're not even making legal arguments. I mean, there never was a 9-11 before 9-11. So 9-11 couldn't have happened. Happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and again, and they're wrong anyway, which is the really funny part. I mean, the fact that they would literally say things in their brief, mind you, these are points that people have been, we, we talked about it in our last podcast, right? With you and Bill, you and Bill both said, that's not true. Nixon. I mean, the fact, I, I found the briefs here, the fact that they are bringing up points that have already been debunked in their brief means their lawyers, first of all, it means the lawyers don't care and they're being sloppy, but it also means, I guarantee you, Trump said, I don't care if it's not true, put it in there. Nobody checks, right? No, I mean, that's exactly right. Now, here, and, I mean, it, the, wait, let me tell you, I'm sorry, real quick, let me read this to you. So when I talked about how they're, and then overall, he talks about Ohio and Florida and how down ballot Republicans won their races. In other words, in the various states Trump lost, you even had Republicans win their races, which means something's wrong. And right. he says- uh, No one's ever split tickets before. So well, He right. talks about you know getting more votes than any incumbent president. Listen to this. These things just don't normally happen. And a large percentage of the American people know something is deeply amiss. He's That's so their legal argument is, is these things just don't happen. I mean, again, what, what this makes clear, John, John, and what I think this is an important statement to make, okay? He is every bad, every bit as bad as every fascist and communist dictator, every authoritarian who we have pointed to. And people are like, oh, you're exaggerating. You know, like Hitler, Mussolini, Stalin got to do certain things because they got to do certain things. The, the, they didn't have histories of democracy in courts, even ones with you know appointed judges by George W. Bush and, right. and Trump who were willing to stand up for the rule of law and or any lawmakers who were who had a large enough voice who were you know on the Repu on the side of their party that were willing to speak out against them trust me most republicans are fucking cowards but at least a romney here i mean romney called this madness it was a pretty strong statement that i you know, a lot of us appreciate or members of that party or you know that kind of thing like we have certain things in place that have prevented trump from doing his worst he still when he leaves will have found a way to allow a pandemic to kill 350,000 people probably, okay, if not significantly more. And, and the number of people beyond that who will have permanent heart, lung, and other problems, uh, I, was, I was reading a whole thing about that, yes, is, I was, is frightening. Did you read the, the young person whose lungs – oh, no, it's David Latt. I was reading him last night, uh, uh, the lawyer, the young gay lawyer in New York who all of a sudden got put on a ventilator and everybody was watching because a lot of people out there uh, know this guy in legal circles and political circles. This was back in you know April or something. His He's bet. It took months, he said. It took months to get better because he was exhausted and had all the fatigue and everything. Needed a wheelchair when he first got out of the hospital. He couldn't even walk. He now... His lungs are better, but the CAT scans are still sc showing scarring on the lungs, and he's got that – they're calling it glass because I guess it must look like shattered yep. glass or something on his lungs, and the doctors just don't know if it's ever going to go away. They also don't know what effect it might have in the long term on him. He's yep. a long-distance runner. He said he can only run for about – uh, two miles now. He used to run long distance. He, he now, mind you, he's able to build up to two miles, but he still can't do more than two miles without being. Well, there's a friend of mine who's a really good writer. And he's a kid. Um, he must be thirty no, or something. And she's. I don't know how old she is, but you know, she writes. I just know her personally. You, some of you may follow her. Sarah Reese Jones writes for Politicus. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, really smart, really good. I, I'd like to have her on the show one of these days, which hopefully we will. Um, and you know, she talks about how she you know gets these bouts every couple months 
where she had COVID in, like at the beginning. And right. since then, like she'll get hit by something where she can't get out of bed for a couple of days. Oh, wow. And I mean, it just periodically happens. People we, we've, is the latest thing I was reading. Well, Louis Gomer lost it while he was talking. Did he? You didn't see that disgusting video? No. While he was do, doing one of the press conferences, railing against Democrats stealing the election or whatever it is, his tooth came out and was in his mouth, and it looked like gum for a second. Oh, yeah, and I thought that was gum. It was his tooth? Well, yeah, it was his tooth, and he had COVID. Oh, did he have COVID? I didn't realize Remember? that. Remember? Yeah. Adult teeth, people's adult teeth are falling out now. And again, they need to know more, but it looks like COVID, well, and they don't know why. Somebody sent out this, you know, in a bunch of, uh, and I wouldn't just read something from somebody, but but a, a guy who's a writer, Frank Franklin Vo, sent this out uh, on Twitter, and it went viral. But the reason I'm reading to you is a number of the folks I follow who are epidemiologists and people who do know what they're talking about, retweeted this and shared it and whatever. Okay. So there are two problems, you know, so basically how can a disease with a 1% mortality rate shut down the United States? And then here it goes. There are two problems with this question. It neglects the law of large numbers. And it is, and number two, it assumes that one of two things happen. You die or you're a hundred percent fine. I'm not going to go through everything here, but here's the key. The U S has a population of 328 million, 200,000 people. 1% 1% is, would mean we would let 3,282,000 people die. <laughs> right. That's what 1% is. Right. And the that not only would, would be a fucking tragedy and right. genocide of a sort, it also would, would if people don't think that would harm our economy in massive ways, like reopen, reopen, they don't know what you're talking about. But right. on top of that, here is the thing where it's just, oh, you die or you're just supposedly fine. Hmm. Here's, here, here are the stats. For every one person who dies, 19 more require hospitalization. Of those 19, 18 will have permanent heart damage for the rest of their lives. 10 will have permanent lung damage. So now you're talking of those 19, you know, you're overlapping with, with 10, you know, uh, uh, eight of, 10 of them are going to have both of these probably. One won't have, you know, whatever. But three will have strokes. Two will have neurological damage that leads to chronic weakness and loss of coordination. And two will have neurological damage that leads to loss of cognitive function. Right. So now what we're talking about is 3,282,000 people dead, 62,358,000 hospitalized. This is if we just opened the economy and did nothing. Right. 15, over 59 million people with permanent heart damage, over thir- nearly 33 million with permanent lung damage, nearly 10 million with strokes. I mean, I can go on and on. Like That's what you're talking about here, that these assholes who always try to make everything black and white and don't deal with the context and nuance in between refuse to right. tell you. And now a word from our sponsor. If something is interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, our sponsor, BetterHelp, can help. That's H-E-L-P. Seeks to provide professional help with ease. You'll never have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. They assess your needs with a few questions and match you with a licensed professional board-certified therapist. Start communicating in under 24 hours, connecting in a safe, private online environment. Send a message to your counselor and receive a timely response. Schedule weekly video or phone sessions, whatever is most comfortable for you. Anything you share is confidential. If you want to try a new therapist, it's simple and free to switch. BetterHelp says they're more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. Start living a happier life today. You'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash sexy liberal. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health by going to betterhelp.com slash sexy liberal and receive 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash sexy liberal. 
So in the spirit of holiday sharing, you know you put a lot of effort each year into finding the perfect gifts for special people. That's why you should send flowers from Bloomsy Box. That's B-L-O-O-M-S-Y Box. For the holidays, Bloomsy Box are simply better blooms. Their flowers are sustainably grown on family farms around the world. You just place an order and your flowers are handpicked and arranged at the farm unique for you. It's like sending a personal one-of-a-kind gift. Bloomsy Box delivers their farm fresh flowers straight to your door so they arrive weeks fresher. They pride themselves on great prices, a huge selection of artisan designed arrangements, no hidden fees, no endless upsells and free shipping with a subscription. Whether sending a simple arrangement or a subscription for someone special to receive flowers each month, feel confident with the quality offered by Bloomsy Box. Go to bloomsybox.com. That's B-L-O-O-M-A-Z-N-M-A-R-Y-S-Y box.com. Enter the promo code Stephanie to get 15% off. You'll also receive free shipping when you purchase a subscription. That's promo code Stephanie at bloomsybox.com. And now back to our show. Well, so, okay. So go back then. What, um, let's, we can wrap up the segment about the election mess, but I didn't want to have, uh, I wanted to take it to a point where we discuss a little bit about, so what Trump's lying. We know he's lying. He's going to be gone in six weeks anyway, but, but are we getting to the point now where all of Trump's election lies are starting to get a little dangerous? Yes. Democracy. So Frank Frugliuzzi, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. Am I, John? You watch MSNBC. Uh, it, well, I speak Italian. It depends how he, if he pronounces it the Italian way or the American way. Filiuzzi would be in it. Filiuzzi. Okay, so we'll pronounce it the Italian way and give some respect. Um, you know, he's an expert background in, in uh, on all these matters, Good. right? Yeah. Um, I think, what was he, in the FBI? He's in I think it was these. FBI, yeah. Pretty sure. So, and, and they showed on this show what a poll number you're talking about that 77 percent of republicans now believe that there was widespread voter fraud because when donald trump rush limbaugh fox news and all the rest of their little brothers and sisters shitty local talk radio sinclair repeat this stuff constantly and then all the cowards refuse to stand up and argue with the exception of maybe two or three republican senators and one or two members of the house or whatever this is what you get um he was saying since the trump administration started there's been no period where he's been worried in the way he is right now about violence. Actually, let me throw a finer point on that poll. Sure. 77% think there was voter fraud. 70% of Republicans say Biden's win was not legitimate. I mean, even worse. Yeah. And what happens then, when, especially when you have people who are radicalized, and the radicalization of young white men is no different than the radicalization of young Muslim men by ISIS, you know, of, of young Hindu men by the nationalists that are in power in India right now, of young, you know, Jewish men in Israel by Netanyahu and his far right nutty allies. So, uh, you know, this is what happens in these places that leads to violence, okay? When you get to the point where conspiracy is mainstreamed, which is what Frank talked about in this segment on Nicole Walls, when it's the people in suits and ties that are that are repeating it, you know, in front of cameras that reach all of us. And when you get to this point, you reach that boiling point and you're encouraging violence and we're there, right? We saw the Arizona Republican Party basically said, you know, literally asked who would die for their country. Right. I mean, right. I mean, that's where we are right now. And and he, what he was saying, and it made me think of Evans Rwanda. Will remember, would you die for him? Right, and it, no, and of course, this is what happens in in authoritarian, yep. in fascist. This is no, we're not. There's no exaggerations here anymore. And again, you know, pick Suharto or you know Marcos or you know go to whatever part of the world you want and pick your fascist. It doesn't have to be the overused Hitler one. Right. But the point is, people who who have led movements that have led to mass murder and mass imprisonment and torture. 
that have gotten that have either uh, either taken over via you know a, a battle or if they've overthrown an existing democracy you know this is the kind of stuff that you see it is commonplace and what happens is a minority of some sort it could be Jews it could be Muslims you know if you're in if you know we'll bring as many different places into this conversation as possible if you're Slobodan Milosevic it's the Muslims in Bosnia who become your scapegoat they're the ones who held you back and you're still holding a grudge from the 14th century when you lost a battle to them all right and that's that's your nationalist rallying cry yeah. the point is is that when you get to this point and you and you know where we're at it just takes a spark and I'm surprised there hasn't been more violence at this point I am too but I'm talking violence of you know these militia groups storming voting places, these militia groups taking out some. No, you're right. I would be worried. I mean, what what's going to happen in Georgia? I, don't, I mean, the, yeah. the point is, is that like, is that it doesn't even have to be coordinated. It's not coordinated in a way like they're all saying we're going to do this at twelve o'clock or whatever. It's that these the groups is coordinated. That's what. Matters. Well, yes, but these loosely tied groups. No, no, are, I'm agreeing with you though. I'm saying right. they're all getting, but they're getting their marching orders from Trump, and then they're all loosely out there listening. In a million other places, they're getting their NRA emails, and they're getting their listening to Rush Limbaugh or the local Rush Limbaugh in that market. Or, and the key here is, is that you know that spark. I mean, I ha- I, I shudder to think what would happen. So what happened in Rwanda? Hmm. was that you know the the tutsis when the french were there were lighter skinned than the hutus and had there been interracial you know relationships and marriage right. and they for that reason the lighter skinned tutsis had been treated preferentially by the french which was bullshit okay. however the french left and the majority of the population were hutu and the tutsis were still a sizable minority in the country and what and, and the Hutu uh, the Hutu nationalists started scapegoating them, particularly one asshole whose name I can't remember right now, who's been indicted more by the Hague just literally within the last year. They finally got him, right. um, who owned a number of talk radio stations. And what they started doing is talking about how Tutsis were trying to steal the presidency from them, or were trying to overturn you know this and that, and played into every conspiracy. And it was the French still trying to control them, and you know, and and all of that kind of garbage. And people were neighbors. Hutus and Tutsis were literally were neighbors living next to each other, like Republicans and Democrats here do. And but they were primed to go. And what happened was there was a plane crash where the Hutu leader died. There was no evidence that. Anybody of anybody doing anything negative, the plane crashed, and then the Hutus went on the, the rash, not all Hutus, but the radical ones went on the radio on these radio stations and started saying, How many Tutsi cockroaches can you kill today? Right. They, they dehumanized right. them, they made it a challenge for people to right. kill them, and people took out right. machetes. And before you knew it, within a month, two months, three months, something like that, 800,000 people had been massacred. Jesus. Right. I mean, this is what we're talking about. Now, do I think that that kind of thing could happen on that level in this country? I'm not saying it can't. I doubt it because – Could lead to a civil war? What if Trump died? Well, I was – literally, that's where I was oh, getting, okay. which is Sorry, go ahead. what if what, – I mean, what if Trump's yeah. plane went down or yeah. in some other way, right? Yeah. And to be clear to any asshole who wants to miss this for me, I am not wishing for that. No, I'm asking well, a what if in terms of what would happen to this He's old and he just happens to die. I mean – right. Yeah. It, the the conspiracies out there right now would all be that you know we did it, and what happens? And this country, unlike the United Kingdom, unlike Japan, unlike pick any other number of of high income countries, there are guns everywhere, as we all know. Right. And now 
right. you have groups of people who already are conspiracy theorists who already get people together already to in their militia guys, bunker right. and drink recycled urine and God knows what else they fucking do waiting for the end of the world. And they're coming out and they have right. assault rifles, which are weapons. Of and war. they've already sworn to die for him. Correct. And now they come out. So yep. the difference is, yep. is that the military has proven that they are still supporting the vast majority. I can see some of the enlisted people that are Trump people, you know, coming and attacking people. But overall, those that control the military, those right. that control the dipl diplomatic corps, those that control right. the courts, all of these folks are still believe are still on, if you want to call it, reduce it to team democracy. They're still with right. that. So I don't believe like in Rwanda, we still have institutions to prevent that kind of a widespread you know thing. But but it doesn't well you can you give your opinion a second, John. Yeah. I'm just giving yeah. mine. Yeah. But that doesn't stop like there could be massacres all over the country. You know what I mean? It doesn't need to be a full-on civil war. It could be a, a, a couple of weeks with places being lit on fire, bombs set off, board, shootings. Board it. Republican members of Congress come out and say, hey, right. we're, I mean, this is just self-defense. Right? I'm saying we could be looking at thousands or tens yeah. of thousands of people killed. Well, you know, and let me throw this in because as you were saying this, I almost want to write this, but I have to be careful how I write it. One of the fascinating things with Trump overall, especially this latest election stuff is, as we've said before, he alleges, he accuses us of things he's already doing. And what's particularly Correct. dangerous about it is that, and it's hard because I don't even want to say this, let alone write it, but I will put it you No, this is stuff that we have to go to these places. I know. Well, let me put we it this do. way. What would, we all know what people would do if Literally, for example, they stole this election. They went to the Supreme Court and they just threw out people's ballots and handed it to Trump. They convinced the states to just throw out Democratic votes and send the electors for Trump. Right? If Trump literally stole this election, you would have a you would literally have a civil war. I think you would see violence. You would see people rise up because, uh, because you would see people say, "That's it. The, the you know the country's over." No, I'm a big believer and, in nonviolence. I would go but, and I would literally strike and I would. Go to wherever and refuse but I to think, move. I think but I think a lot of people there are though there are folks more radical than me and John. There would be violence. I yes. and and again, I just it's I'm, I can't be careful how I say this, but if literally the system of governance breaks down and the courts break down and everyone is in collusion to get Trump uh, to help a, a legal person become president throughout, then you are no better than than Venezuela or any of these other countries. No. And I think and I think violence becomes inevitable is what I'm going to say, because that's all you have left in that case when literally you've had a coup d'etat. Right. Um, and the problem is, apply this to the right then. Trump is setting the same scene. He's lying about it, but you're convinced. In other words, you're convincing. I, I take a different position than Cliff on this. You're convincing people of something where Cliff's bang you're banging there, Cliff. You have a mic. Actually, that, no, that was the drum. Oh, that was the drum. We I don't know why you didn't hear it last time, but you're, he, no. I told him not. I have to, I'll text it him. It sounded like you went boom, boom with your with your mic. You're right. That one I heard. Yeah, send yeah, him a text. Was... Keep talking, but uh, but no. But the the concern I've got is what is being alleged by both or not by both sides. What what we are alleging. What we what you're is a both sides kind of guy. No, I know. Well, that's what I'm trying to say. But we are worried that Trump is literally trying to steal the election. And if the election literally were to be stolen and an illegitimate president were put in office because they literally got the courts and everybody involved, you would have a civil war. You would. What they're doing on their side is trying to provoke the same thing from happening based on a lie. And that's why I worry because I guess what I'm saying long windedly is 
Trump is lying about all of this. But when Biden gets in, the final lie is going to be they literally stole the presidency. That man isn't even president. Our guy was this country no longer is a democracy anymore. Those are fighting words that not just crazy people, normal people raise up arms when that happens. If you're talking about a coup, if there, no, I, you're right. military, if there were an actual military coup in this country, good luck arguing to people. Well, I think people should be nonviolent. If there were a military coup, no one's going to argue that people should be nonviolent. That's my concern. I mean, right. I, I, I mean, no, I get I, where you're coming from, but think of it. If there were literally a military coup. Would you would you say, well, we should be nonviolent? Bullshit. We'd set up cells <laughs> to take down the coup leader. Well, a military right? coup is different. No, no, no. But, if, I, but if, I'm saying that if there the are Supreme things. Court just decided yeah. that Donald Trump gets to stay against all evidence, all everything, then I then I'm, I'm OK. I'm no, just I'm saying what I feel here. I would not call for anything violent. I would call for us shutting the, the country down. Cliff. Don't, don't don't let me tell my truth, John. <laughs> and then I love when you even you use like the, the that liberal talking point. But this is how I feel. Yeah, but I didn't mean it that way. I, 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 mean, know, I, I mean that you and I have our opinions on stuff. And I'm saying my opinion is that you know what, what how I would react yeah. is a military attack style attack is very different than if the Supreme court did that. It would still be a coup d'etat. It would be terrible. And I would encourage everybody like myself to literally stop working, to stop consuming, to stop doing, to shut the fucking country. Would you be surprised if there were violence? No, I would expect it. I'm just telling you the role I would take. That's what I mean. If literally the Supreme court on behalf of Trump just stole the election and handed him the presidency, I would not be surprised that there's violence even on the left. Actually, forget not surprised. I would absolutely almost guarantee there'd be some. That's what scares me is because everything he's saying will go to that same place, even though it's a lie, but he's, in other words, the and he's talking to people that are much more willing to commit violence. Right. And you've already got people right that they're, they're more gun prone. They're more vigilante prone, the militia. Well, John, I mean, we, we've already seen it, you know, and the problem is, is that because we're so awash this country in gun violence and these kinds of things, it doesn't always stick out so that of course the press is like, Oh, just, you know, a normal day in America don't report it. But if you take any one month period of time, because I've done this before in my work on gun stuff, and you start tracking the number of people that are arrested with pipe bombs in their car, with right. you know, a, a, a fourteen assault rifles headed for you know a, a community center. I mean, I'm telling you, people have no idea how close we come constantly. Yep. That if the, that if the FBI and if other forces did not do such a good job. Those things that we end up seeing way too much would be like five or 10 or 20 times as much. And so he's encouraging more of it now. And that just means there's more chance that that some of these will slip through. No, I agree. Anyway, um, no, I don't want to. So let's move on. But let's not leave people with. Uh, look, I mean, I, I think what I'd say to folks is. is that, 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 yeah, I don't want to just leave it with that. I don't, I'm not saying that I think mass violence is inevitable. I sadly do believe that that I don't believe that any the Supreme Court or anybody is going to look at this this case in you know that one of my cats could have written in crayon that Ken Paxton is pushing these people are supporting and overthrow the election. It's not going to happen. So Biden will be the, the the president. The problem I have is what role Donald Trump and others like him play after that as terroristic entities encouraging people to do things and. Right. That's what we're going to have to see. Right. right. Ooh la la. Oh, look, on, on Twitter, politics uh, on politics on Twitter, projecting is trending. 
<laughs> oh, for him, you mean? Yeah, because it means we're not the only ones seeing projection here, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, because he was talking about how corrupt the Biden administration is going to be. And it was like, oh, sure. So the 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 cabinet issue has gotten interesting. Um, Cliff and I were t- actually talking about this offline the other day, or but you know, there's, and this always happens and it's fine. Uh, different interest groups are vying for, for getting cabinet appointees. Uh, just to put a finer point on it, the way the president's cabinet's, cabs, the, the cabinet works is that you've got actual secretaries of the agencies that are in the cabinet. Uh, you have the vice president and you have the attorney general. Now, Presidents themselves can change who is and isn't in the cabinet anyway, but that's sort of the generally accepted, right? So you've got, I had the numbers before, but maybe it's 14 or so secretaries in the AG and then the vice president. Then you've got another one, two, three, four, five, 10, 13 people or so that, oh no, this is White House staff. No, you've got a, I've got the list here. I've got a, shoot, you know. Come on, John. Well, a whole fucking piece you know, when about. You, when we go on this show and you're not prepared, I got to tell I'm you. I'm looking at CNN and CNN. CNN's webpage screwed me up. I like to give John a hard time. Well, I researched this yesterday. 20, John. 23 members of Trump's cabinet, uh, including the vice president, 14 cabinet secretaries, and the attorney general. So that's 14. Seven cabinet level appointees. These are people who are not secretaries of agencies, but they run offices or whatever, and their job is so important they're considered cabinet level. The White House chief of staff, the U.S. trade representative, the director of OMB, the director of the CIA. But that also depends by president. Some presidents have made the U.N. ambassador a cabinet level post. Others have not. Right. So yep. you've got cabinet secretaries, which are really the, the creme de la creme of the cabinet and then cabinet level posts who are members of the cabinet. But honestly, it's not the same thing as being a full, you know, an actual cabinet level position. Uh, excuse me, an actual cabinet secretary. I think would you agree with me? I think there's a little more heft considered of the, that immediate cabinet. cabinet secretaries. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cabinet that has more prestige. I think like, that's does. why in certain presidencies they've talked about moving up certain things to a cabinet level that's position. what i said about un for example un ambassador right. goes up and down depending right the same they've done that we've talked about it i'm trying to remember i feel like one administration did it with the national security advisor um they Sounds moved good. it up to cabinet uh level. trump it's trump yeah they trump it, yeah did, current well that, currently at least currently uh, excuse me no this true? i'm sorry excuse How me I'm doing this based on CNN's graphic, which is bullshit. I'm sorry. Go back. Yeah, because because Trump then would have had to get that person approved by by the no, uh, Senate. Are, I don't remember that uh, happening. Uh, I think that's that's when you make something cabinet level. I think that means it has to be approved by the Senate. Generally speaking, yes. Frankly, if, if, the, if that's what I would do in the opposite direction, if Republicans try to block, you know, some of our people will be like, okay, Veterans Affairs is no longer a cabinet position. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm just appointing them. I'm going to check. I, I don't know if you can actually this, do that or not, but I think I you read can. This yesterday, and I mean, of course, secretaries do, but they're appointed by this subject to confirmation. But I don't know whether that is true. Um, of like, in other words, when you raise something to a cabinet level position, okay, Rick Rennell. I mean, Rick Rennell wasn't confirmed, right? Right. But that was because he was a temporary. Level. He, they made it a temporary well, uh, that's thing. The thing. He got around it that way. So you'd never really figured out whether he had to be confirmed or not. That's an interesting question. In any case, so the issue then becomes you actually have 23 cabinet level positions, not just the 15 or so cabinet secretaries. And 
uh, you know, progressives, whoever that is, Cliff and I said at the beginning of the show, we don't really know who they mean. Usually lately when they say progressives are complaining, they usually mean the DSA types, the democratic socialist types. It's, it's, you know, justice Dems, it's AOC, which fine, whatever you think of AOC, but you know, she's not really the leader of progressives. She may, she's trying to become it, I think, but I think of progressives is a much larger pool. Um, so they're upset on the gay front. I know I'm upset because we, we have never had a gay cabinet secretary. We did have a cabinet level appointee who was Rick Grinnell, the horrible Twitter troll under Trump. And it's really kind of gross that the first cabinet level at all uh, openly gay person was under Trump, which is kind of gross. And that he picked somebody who's kind of gross. Um, but what's interesting is you do have some pretty good diversity already happening. You've got at least three or four black people. I say black because I don't know whether some of them have origins that are not African. You know what I mean? So Haiti. Caribbean America. Yeah. Caribbean, I got right? you. Um, but you've got at least three, possibly four. I don't know Cecilia Ruse. Uh, her photo looks black, but I haven't pulled up her uh, bio. But you've got the UN ambassador. You've got Secretary of HUD, Marsha, Marsha Fudge. Uh, you've got the general who's going to be leading the Defense Department, right? Austin, Latino, yeah. You've got at least two Latinos, Alejandro Mayorkas for Homeland Security and uh, – Xavier Bacara. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, Javier, uh, Javier Becerra. You mean. Uh, in other words, no? something I'm completely mispronouncing because I've never taken Spanish. I was like, what the hell did you – Cliff is thinking of X-Men. Xavier, he's Xavier. I know. He's, he's Professor X. <laughs> um, so you've got at least two Latinos. Um, you've got Nira Tandon, who's Asian-American, which is great, uh, and sub uh, – what do they call that? The subcontinent. I'm not sure how you refer to that area as far as yeah. Asian, but it's, uh, you've got Catherine Tai. I don't know. Whether, I well, know. East, I don't know, but Catherine Tai, U.S. trade representative, is further to the East Asian American. Um, the issue becomes, it's interesting. Usually you see the, uh, Blacks and, uh, and Latino groups complaining that they're only getting two or three secretaries. And, you know, that's their right. And partially they're complaining because I think they've got a history of already getting that number. So they'd like more. And that's cool. On the gay front, we never get anything. Um, we did have one, still not going to name her, in the 1990s who was lesbian, and everybody knew she was lesbian, and then she kind of went back into the closet when she got appointed to the cabinet in the 1990s. So we're not going to count her as a gay appointee since she then claimed she wasn't. <laughs> and still to this day. We all so have like, moments of confusion in our lives, John. You know, sometimes I want the peanut butter and jelly sandwich for um, lunch. Other times I want a ham and, and Swiss. Um, you know, they just... Uh, Okay, Whatever. Let it go. Um, go ahead. In any case, no. So you've got it's an interesting debate going on. I think it's a healthy debate. Biden's going to be pretty pretty diverse. Obviously, it's already diverse with. But there uh, need women. to be more gays. Well, Safe, there's no John. gays. I mean, it's it's well, no, but it kind of pisses me off. And I and I've talked. About, I'm not going to go into this much, but I wrote a big piece on my Substack about this. But you know. I'm still getting the blowback from people, Cliff. Either they're freaking out about Pete Buttigieg. He's horrible. He shouldn't be in the cabinet. And I'm like, that isn't the point. The point isn't that Pete should be there. The point is someone should be there. We should well, be picking people. Uh, he's also not party. horrible. And if oh, you're, not saying, that, you're yeah. saying that, you've lost the plot line. Well, and honestly, they've got a problem with him because he's gay, to be honest. I think when that happens. But um, well, but I don't think they have a problem with him because he were, you know, because they apply a standard to to anybody uh, who's not of their movement that they would never yeah. apply to their own folks. He's not DSA enough, basically. Right. Yeah. You know, like, oh, my God, you know, he worked for McKinsey. Oh, look, look at Susan Sarandon over there, who's one of the voices of Tylenol made by Johnson & Johnson on TV. So she can be a, a Bernieite and scream and yell from the left that nobody's pure enough while doing big pharma's bidding on TV yeah. and getting paid handsomely for it. 
you know, Nina Turner joining, uh, what do you call it? Uh, who was it? Mercury Public Relations that works with, you know, she was going to start her own progressive, uh, the, right. the, you know, uh, uh, end of it. I haven't heard about it since then. All I know is she joined a firm and accepted a paycheck from people that literally work for Big Oil, have worked for the NRA. You know, it's always okay when their people do it. Right. Nope, totally okay. But but Buttigieg, you know, he, he, he comes from the center left, not the far left. <clears throat> and so he's not acceptable. It's bullshit. Okay, I'm done. I'm off my soapbox. Go ahead, John. So, but the, so the question becomes, so let's put the gay thing aside anyway. I mean, I'm intrigued by saying, you know, progressives haven't gotten theirs because I guess I'm not as used to hearing that kind of an argument. Maybe we had it before, but usually we're talking about the different, uh, you know, democratic constituencies, uh, ethnically, women, race, et cetera. Well, different minority groups that deserve representation. But progressives, though, is that a is that a typical argument oh. to make? We haven't gotten our cabinet pick, as though progressives get a cabinet pick. Is that no? I mean, I don't it has. So. I'm saying it hasn't been. It may I mean, you, be, can, you can overall whatever say you define now as your ideology. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny because again, and we've brought this up before. You and I early on. Um, you know, in, when we first started doing at least the, the, some of the advocacy, blogging, whatever, in like the 2000s, spent a lot of time attacking the DLC, who were the quote unquote, oh, yeah. you know, moderates of the party. Yep. Now there's a group that's obviously pretty clear to the left of us, but everybody wants to make it out like it's moderates versus the left, as if there aren't three or four different shades there. Yeah. I don't agree with Joe Manchin's politics. I also don't oh. agree with R- Rashida Tlaib's. No. I'm somewhere in between them. And so it's not like you can't make I'm it violently in between them. I would even say, right? <laughs> I'm vehemently in between. I'm not even a shade in between I, them. Like I am too. Now I wish, if I were being honest, that both of them, because they're both outliers, were from where the majority of the party is. One has to represent West Virginia. The other one represents a very to the left district. I wish they would both stop right. trying to talk for everybody else in the damn party and represent their areas faithfully so they can get reelected because I get that's what you have to do. But they, neither of them speaks for all of us. They just don't, you know? So in any case, that, that part frustrates me too, because if now we're saying everybody gets their ideology represented, well, where, where does that stop? Right. I mean, uh, how many ideologies do we want to say? Do you get a yeah. populist one? Do you get a progressive one? Do you get a moderate? Do you get a center left? Do you get a liberal? Do you get, I mean, right. it, it's, where does it all end? Well, where does it end, John? No, but let me ask you, Marsha Fudge, she's, I mean, she's not what you would consider a lefty, really? Is she not? I didn't say I didn't consider her a no, lefty. No, no, I'm asking you. I'm saying hypothetically that they're saying we, we don't have any progressives in the cabinet. Marcia oh, Fudge I guess I'd have to look at her overall record. But remember, she was the one at one point who was talking about challenging Nancy Pelosi from the left. Yeah. You know, to, to be speaker. I mean, yeah, I think she's pretty far to the left. But, but you see, again, here's where you're making a mistake, uh, John, is that mm-hmm. it's tribalism. It's not about ideology. That's what I think it is. They want us. They want us. If you're, if you're, if you're Fudge, you know, Marsha Fudge, just like if you're Sherry Brown or Tammy Baldwin or, or, you know, let's pick up a big time progressive, Elizabeth Warren, you're not part of them because you didn't support Bernie. Only if you supported Bernie do you count as a progressive. It doesn't matter how far to the left. Kamala, I'm already already forgetting how to say her name. Kamala, Kamala? Yes. What are you? You're, you're doing what I did to Mr. Becerra. I'm, Kamala, I'm doing Kamala again because my Midwestern thing. Okay, yeah. That is very Midwestern. Um, I love it. I hear, it's here in Cincinnati. That ah sound. Kamala. Kamala. Um, um, 
Yeah, so I mean, no, well, Kamala, I mean, the the thing is, they're not progressive enough. Well, they they went nuts nuts on Kamala for a while. Um, And then that that scorecard was released by Progressive Punch, which is what everybody uses progressives, DSAs, everybody. It's a pretty fair group that had Kamala for a while. It wasn't her whole time there, but for a while in the Senate, for a year at least, was the most progressive senator. Yeah. She was to the left of Bernie. She was to the left of Sherrod, to the left of all these folks, but she wasn't you know, to the left of Merkley and, and, yeah. and those folks, but that was, it wasn't good enough I mean, yeah. because that's the thing is that yeah. that's why I find this all to be just a big. Javier Becerra, by the way, do you know? It was all hell. Right. He's for Medicare for all. That's what I thought. He's, He's another one. Yeah. Yeah. And I fully support him. Well, and Again, frankly, Mira, and they think between Mira's me and them is I don't have to agree with everybody on every yeah. position. I want people that are competent, smart, willing to fight for stuff. And, you know, we may disagree on a few things. That's okay. Yeah. And they think Nira's not progressive either, which cracks oh. me up. <laughs> she worked for a think tank. Yeah, okay. Well, then what was that think tank that Bernie set up that Nina Turner worked for? What was it again? I don't even remember. Revolution, our revolution. That was a think tank too, guys. It yeah. took chunks of money too. Yeah. I'm just uh, it, this stuff and, and is, to divide us. Going to be, wait, wait, and Nira is going to be have a very hard time being confirmed because she was too damn liberal. <laughs> That's what's funny is she the, the, she attacked too I mean, many Republicans on yeah. um, Twitter and and yeah. you know out loud. So you know she said too poor, many things that progressives poor, would have cheered and said. Why isn't anybody else saying that? Right. Poor Those little John Cornyn had his feelings hurt and the oh. others. I mean, it's okay for Donald Trump and for for Ted Cruz. They want Bernie, the same state. They want, they want Nina Turner and they want DSA types in there. That's who they want. Yes. And, and you have to have pledged allegiance to a specific group. It literally has nothing to do with your what your ideology is. Yeah. How I, does um, I, let me ask you this? How does Vermont? Uh, how does Vermont uh, fill a vacant? I'm going to Google it right now. Fill a vacant Senate seat. Um, they would be appointed by the governor, who is a Republican. Although I think what the what what Phil Scott, who's the, like you know people forget him. He's the third of that triumvirate of Larry Hogan, Charlie Baker. Of these very moderate, like Republicans, who you know, the, of the kind that used to exist, that now on the national level are all but extinct. Right. They can only win in states like that, and can't right. win to Congress because they'll lose in a primary. Um, and um, he is very moderate. He, you know, to to almost I call him center in some areas, center left, very reasonable on a whole lot right. of things. I believe he said. Now you'd have to look, and for me to make yeah. sure, because I could. But I believe he said that if that they put Bernie um, in there, he would replace Bernie with another independent who said they would caucus with the Democrats to make sure he, that it, he did say that. Would you take that at his word and therefore pick Bernie for the cabinet? I just assume um, we're going to. If the balance of the Senate were were at stake, that's. A, I mean, so do I trust the guy? He does seem to be an honorable guy. He came out hard against Trump early and often and all that stuff. But to put the whole fate of the Senate in his hands. That he's not going to, the Republicans won't find a way to cajole this guy into picking somebody else who's going to end up. Yeah, that's that's a bridge too far for me. I mean, right now, look, we've got two House. Wait, the reason I'm saying this, Cliff, Bernie's making that argument. I saw him on TV the other day and he was asked about it, I think, by Wolf Blitzer. And uh, and he said, well, wait, wait, no, 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 no. Of course I would serve if I was asked, you know, that kind of thing. And he said, uh. But no, 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 no. The governor's already said because Wolf brought it up. Well, what if he appoints a Republican? No, the governor already said he's going to support somebody who's going to cause with the Democrats. So it's not an issue. He literally said, so it's not an issue. And I'm watching yeah. the TV going, 
what? Excuse me. It's still an issue because they're going to fucking come down on him like a ton of bricks if that's the deciding seat for control of the Senate. Of course, the, the, all the Republicans. If and this, then guy see what be, this guy wants to be set up for the rest of his life. Yeah. <laughs> the one time he wants to be corrupted, that moment. Yeah. You know, like, hey, you want to have a, a two million a year lobbying job after you leave? He promised that does that shit's not going to no, matter. He's one of the most honorable among them, and yet yeah. he's still a Republican. And and so I mean, and and again, this isn't just if, if anybody's thinking it's an anti-Bernie thing. Uh, I would say the exact same thing about Elizabeth Warren because because uh, Massachusetts has a Republican governor. I would say the exact same thing about yeah. Sherry Brown because Ohio has a Republican governor. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of other states where there's a Republican governor and a right. Democratic senator. But I would say the same thing about every single one of them. You yeah. cannot – we are too – it is too close. We're at such a yeah. point now, which I've said before, that mm-hmm. one of the, the – the, even though I detest most of what he stands for, one of the more honorable Republicans who's – who's spoken out more than some of the other ones when it comes to Trump and certainly did more recently uh, was Pat Toomey. And he's already announced he's retiring, retiring in 2022. I would, I would see if I could get him the hell out of the Senate. Now I'd offer him commerce or something that who the fuck cares about. And, and, uh, and, you know, and then see if we can get a majority and I mean, get another seat in the Senate. Now, that certainly would piss Republicans off, and they might then all say that they're all not going to support him. But he's got good friendships with a couple of them, like Collins and whatever. So my guess is even if the vast majority of Republicans wouldn't do it, I think you'd get five or six Republicans and you'd get the entire Democratic he's, caucus. He's Pennsylvania, and Pennsylvania has a Democratic governor. Correct. And he's already announced he's retiring in 2022. Right. Gotcha. The other candidate for that who's more conservative and whatever, but also showed at least some independence on the Senate Intelligence right. Committee, putting out honest reports, is, is Richard Burr. From North Carolina, right. who the Trump people went after hardcore because he remained at least, you know, nominally independent on yeah. the Senate intelligence stuff. He's yeah. announced he's retiring in 2022. And we have Roy Cooper, who's the governor of North Carolina. So there's two opportunities to appoint Republicans to things. I mean, you know, if one of them's a veteran, make him Secretary of the Army, or I don't know. I'd have to look at what their backgrounds are, but I'd be willing to do that to get an extra seat yeah. or two. Absolutely. You know what's interesting about that too, depending on what happens in Georgia, mind you, even if we lose the Senate by one seat, right, you could still offer to have somebody. First of all, somebody could switch sides, although the way the Senate's going, I'd be very surprised if any Republicans switched and became a Democrat. Um so would I. And, and but know, the beauty of this would be, you know, not only would you it would help your in terms of your cabinet position in those two states I'd have to look up what the law is, but most states the person gets to a point until there's a special election and we would suddenly have the incumbent. And be in a better position to win in both Pennsylvania and North Carolina right. in 22. Right, I'd do it. Hmm. I mean, if if he's not, they're not interested. They're not interested, and maybe they right. won't be. But I would. I mean, you know, the, it's a great capstone to your career if you've been, you know, a senator and a, and a House member, which both of those guys I think were House members first, and whatever, and you get to leave by being a cabinet secretary. Right. So should we switch to Biden's defund the police thing? Although I don't know, we've talked about the topic, so it's not really new. But let's. Let's talk about it a little bit, I guess. Yeah. And, yeah, and the last thing I just want to say quickly on that is obviously I wouldn't put either of those guys in a place where their positions on things would harm things we care about. So don't think that I'm talking about like HHS or, or anything like that that deals oh, with, right, right, you know, right. I'm talking about Secretary of Commerce. I mean, you know, who, I mean, what, I mean, that's just, you can put anybody at Secretary of Commerce, let's be honest. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So uh, Biden was talking to civil rights leaders, civil rights groups, it says, but I'm always kind of curious who that means again, 
you know, whether it was actual civil rights groups or crazy people, but let's just assume it's the actual real civil rights groups like the NAACP and stuff. Um, but Biden was uh, talking to civil rights groups, uh, the, of course, private call. And of course, somebody recorded it and shared it with The Intercept, of course, which right there, I got to tell you, that tells you something right there. Because yeah, A, right. and I got to say too, this whole this whole sort of, and this this is a millennial thing, meaning a younger generation thing. The idea of it's okay to tape everybody and just share it. I will say the police video thing is part of it, although in the police videos, they're doing God's work, fair enough. But there is this larger culture of eh, tape people, it's okay, and share it, it's okay. And you've got Biden having a private call with leaders of civil rights groups, and someone on the call tapes it and leaks it to, of all people, The Intercept. Right. That bothers me. In well, you leak it to The Intercept because you know they'll publish it, right? <clears throat> you know, those that are more, then they'll run to publish it. So they've got credibility on the left. They're the ones that, that speak for the defund faction. Oh, but that's you why, it may, it may, yeah, I, any case, yes. yes. I don't know what happened there. I have, a, no. you know, I could throw out a theory that maybe they did it on purpose because Biden wants to be on the record as being against that incredibly self-sabotaging slogan for which I don't blame him one bit. Right. Well, so so here's the deal. So Biden says um, that uh, it could hurt Democratic candidates in Georgia's two Senate runoffs next month, the whole defund the police issue quote that's how they beat the living hell out of us across the country saying that we're talking about defunding the police biden said referring to down ballot races last month we are not we are meaning we are not talking about defunding the police we're talking about holding them accountable um over the summer, but this is from Axios, I think, Biden resisted the calls of demonst demonstrators and progressive organizations to defund police departments and shift funding to social services, though his website promises to reform our criminal justice system. Um, the uh, Minnesota, as you know, I want to say it must have been Minneapolis, was trying to wipe out their police department and failed. Yeah, the, the city council, which, again, was sort of surprising to me because I thought I know Minneapolis is, you know, most of the cities these days are pretty liberal. But Minneapolis never jumped out to me. I mean, maybe it's because that the incident that started the whole movement happened there. So maybe it's just because of their, you know, their proximity to the, right. to the murder of George Floyd. Right. But I, you know, I wouldn't have thought, you know, I would have thought a Chicago or a San Francisco or a New York City would go first on that kind of a thing. You know, I don't, and I'm, I'm San and I, Chicago, they'd go right. nuts. They'd defund the police. People would freak out. Well, that's the thing is that it's insane. I mean, look. Again, it's it's it, what gets me mad is that then people start saying, "How can you be against police reform?" Because nobody gets that. What well, even the article, are, the slogans are talking about the matter. Says, the article says that you know, but Biden had on his website that he reforms, he wants to reform our criminal justice system, as though that's contradictory to defunding the police. So even the media is right. playing. I would say to folks, you after the time that I've spent working uh, as a board member of the Ohio Innocence Project, you couldn't have a much lower opinion than I do of the fairness of our judicial system from prosecutors doing things for political reasons to police getting away with abuse. The things I've seen are horrendous. And yet much in the same spirit as other things that are horrendous that have happened, you know, 
I don't want to quote Spock about doing the greatest good for the greatest number of people, but I may have to here. My belief is, is that still democracy is the fairest and best form of government. You can't overthrow it with revolution and get something better. You get Robespierre on the other side. So you, ref so what you do is, is that you reform the living shit out of the situation. So I think a lot more money should be taken from police and given into, um, given to social services, given to people that can come as mediators and prevent violent acts, particularly when it comes to spousal abuse. And all, absolutely. Do I believe that we should we should have courses on de-escalating, take all of the military machinery we've given police the fuck away from them? Absolutely. Do I think that we should have more robust Miranda laws on these kinds of things to protect people so that, that we don't get this abuse? Absolutely. And I can go on and on and on about the, the many ways that I vastly believe that this system needs to change from what we're doing right now to some of the stuff that we're pushing, which is getting um, – a, a, an advocate for the defense in prosecutor's offices. So there's not just groupthink there. There's somebody pushing back against what, what the case and saying, you don't have evidence here. You can't hide evidence. Can I tell you real Sorry. quick on that point? On that point, yeah. I witnessed a case where a public defender, I actually sat in the court and watched the case where a public defender uh, defended somebody. And it was a case that I was familiar with. And it was, it was horrifying. I mean, first yeah. of all, what was horrifying to start with, just the whole. I don't want to say the violence of the system because the person being accused very well may have been guilty. I don't want to go into details. Um, but, but it's still a violence of the system, no matter who the accused it's very, is. It's very scary because you're presumed innocent, but you're still in shackles and the whole thing. It's very dehumanizing. But then again, I guess, what do you do? But it's still weird. But what was bothering me was this public defender was horrific, did right. not know the case. I was sitting in the back of the room and it's all I could do to scream and go, what about this? What about this? Right. That, and the, the, the cops, I would, I am probably a better lawyer than some of oh, them and oh. I'm not a lawyer. And, and it's some of them, it's, it's just, they're not very good. Others, they have such a workload. They've got too many cases. They right. literally pick up the case right before the court or maybe a day or two before, but they're actually heroes. What I would do is do the very same thing I've often talked about, which if we think that teachers are such an important part and they yeah. are, of our system. If we think public defenders are, and yeah. they are, and all that, you know, I would pass, I mean, again, the problem is who's the constituency for yeah. it, and you have Mitch McConnell's yeah. will block it, but I would, yeah. that's another thing I would do. You want to reform the system? I would pass a vast, vast bill to hire many more public defenders to right. make sure people are getting better educated on the law, well, to make sure people all are fair. Yeah, well, and in this case, you had crooked cops as well. So that if, but my point here is, and this is where again Democrats tend to fail. It's not about helping poor criminals get off. This cop needed to be held accountable because he was crooked and he was destroying evidence. He was lying up there on the stand. They need to be held accountable because that crooked cop, he's coming after you and yours sometime too. No, I know. And, and I've been on the other side of it. It helps everyone. I, I mean, again, I've told people I've been on the other side of it. I mean, and I knew the whole story. I don't want to go Make into everything forever. I was arrested in Kentucky and thrown into sure? a drunk tank. Yeah. I, how do you not know this? I don't know. This. I, I, I mean, it's a fun story now that I, everything went okay. But, but I, <laughs> yeah, no. I, was, I, was, I was out at a bar with friends drinking. This is when I was working against Mitch McConnell in 2002 in Louisville. Right. And, and I was living, I was renting a place in Louisville to work on that campaign. And a friend of mine on the campaign, she said, you know, I can give you a ride home. Nothing untoward about it. You know, just right. that she could drive, drop me off. And I was like, you know, no Uber back then. I had right. no car. I was like, I was thinking of calling a cab or whatever, but that, you know, you have to wait for a while. And she offered and claimed she wasn't drunk and, you know, right. vociferously claimed that. And I was drunk enough to not be able to tell that she probably right. was too drunk to drive. And it was a mistake, clearly. 
getting in the car. But I got in the car. I swear to God, the police pulled us over when we maybe were a quarter mile from where my house was. And she tested, you know, drunk, was going to be arrested immediately. But here I am in the passenger seat. I'm doing one of the more responsible things you could do. Am I out being publicly drunk, wandering around? No. Am I driving a car being drunk? No. You know, I'm not loitering somewhere, not whatever. I'm just trying to get home the best way I can figure at that point in time. And what ends up happening is they start questioning me and then I ask me for my license and I give them my license. Dude, the look on the guy's face when he saw I had a New York license, done. Um, he put, they, they literally, they're like, well, we can't, we can't prove that you live here. And I'm like, if you guys drive me a quarter mile down the road, we can't just leave you here. We can't prove that you live here. If you drive me a quarter mile mile down the road, I can show you, I have keys. I can open up the door and you can see my stuff's in there. No, we can't do that. But what kind of argument is that anyway? Why would you have to prove that you live there? Why could they, why could they arrest you anyway? You you know, a lot of questions here as a lawyer, John, um, they, like yeah. a common criminal, put me in the back of this police car with my hands handcuffed behind Ooh. my back. I was taken. I had a mugshot taken. Ooh. I spent a, a about eight hours in the drunk tank, which is an experience yeah. I will never forget. There was yeah. one guy who lost his mind and started fighting with somebody, and the police had to tackle him. I actually literally became friends with a guy that had like 18 piercings sitting here. I, I'd like needed a friend. Yeah. Um, long story short, get out the next morning um, and – I, it, I go talk to the to the one of the people in our campaign and the the the, the lawyer for the fraternal order of police, uh, who's actually a decent guy. Though they're not all decent guys. Was right. one of the advisors to our campaign, liked our candidate, right. and so he's like, "Let me take care of this." Goes to their guy who and finds out they based on some law that had been on the books forever. You know, alcoholic intoxication, all those all those types of laws that give them an excuse to arrest anybody they right. feel like arresting. Right. Um, the the fine was completely was expunged my record what you know any record expunged the lawyer the guy apologized he didn't do it to my face but threw this guy to me and he basically was trying to fill a quota saw us from new york threw me in prison and don't don't cry for me i'm not looking for that i think i think of i think of shorner cheney and you know and goodman and what happened to them and probably a thousand ten thousand a million people's names we've never heard who've been murdered there's yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was gonna say there is no. I will, I will get in the face of anybody who says, "Oh, poor white boy, what happened to you?" Bullshit. Nobody, nobody gets arrested illegally by the police. Well, right, and the helpless no. feeling. I can't explain to you when I had my arms oh, handcuffed behind my back in that car. Uh-huh. They could have done anything to me. Yeah. So my point to you is, you you have a hard time being more in favor of police and of just the entire systems reform than I am. I'd rip out all sorts of parts of it that are not working and replace. But but that's not defunding the police. There's a difference when you're messaging things politically and when you say you're going to defund the police, what you're saying to people is no police will be there to protect you when there's crime. Well, Cliff, and let me let me throw this at you, too. You know, you talked about what a lot of these folks are advocating, which is putting money into other social programs that can, for example, there's, I don't even know the details, but there's some kind of a 911 alternative or when a 911 gets called rather than the police showing up, if it's, if it's a domestic dispute or something else, you know, social workers or somebody else shows up, but you don't have to defund the police to do that. What they're talking about is giving more money to these other programs. 
Correct. You don't have to defund the police. We are literally talking about, and you even said it yourself, actually, about taking some money from the police and giving it to these programs. I right. think that's the political problem. Even I don't like the idea of taking money away from the police. I don't want police arresting people illegally. I don't want them killing black people for no reason. But I don't want to take the money away because literally you're taking police off the street. And I don't care. That scares me. As, yeah, uh, but I, I, and that's fair. But I, I guess my so, feeling is for a lot so of this like, militaristic stuff, John, that we've done. That's reform. But that's reform. That's not giving the police less. I, I understand that. But what I'm saying to you is we spend a lot of money on – it's kind of like the defense department sometimes and a lot of shit the police don't need so that not one cent would be need to be taken away from a cop out on the beat. Uh, money from uh, from money taken from things that are so fucking wasteful uh, but just to become a surplus buyer of, of, of stuff that we've got lying around is what police departments. Okay, and but it, I still think that's a different argument, though. I'm with you. But that's not what they're saying. People are saying just take seven million for the police. We OK, well, care. that's not, not know, then, and that's not my feeling either. The, defund the militarization of the police. I understand. I would. But I don't believe in, I don't even believe in using the word defund. You know, I mean? uh, you know, I'd use the word reinvent, reimagine. I'd talk about yeah. how we would have a holistic system yeah. that yeah. would prevent abuses, that would stop them, you know, yeah. and stop a lot of this stuff from happening. But when things do happen, of course, you need the yeah. folks there who are well trained. Erically cutting funds to the police, and that's my problem with it. And that's why I think it's a bad messaging. They were yep. winning the message war because people are seeing people getting killed and they don't like it. Meaning, right. Okay. I mean, and obviously we need to come to a consensus on where the policy is on this, but irregardless, it's a bad, it's a bad phrase. I use that term because I love saying irregardless. irregardless. Everything that we've said so far, it doesn't change the fact that, that if I decide um, that I want, you know, that I'm looking at a school system and I feel like giving the same amount of allotment of funds to the rich kids as the poor kids for lunch makes no sense because the rich kids can afford it. I'm just giving this as a hypothetical and I want to move some of those funds to some of the kids who can't afford lunch because everyone should be able to eat a good lunch if you're a kid, I wouldn't call it make the kids starve. <laughs> that would be a shitty slogan. <laughs> I would call it reimagining lunch or reinvent, you know, like right. there's ways to, to, to get to what it is you want to do that is a progressive outcome that is better for people. And then there's ways to self-sabotage. And then when people point better. out how dumb your slogan is dig in and fight further. Cause I don't you know. What I said, bring the police back better. There you go. I still hate that slogan, the bring back better, but, but that's the point though is. So you like my one starve the kids. I think that's the slogan. fabulous. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just, I, that's what I mean. Like this, starve the police just, kids. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> Whatever it is you're in favor of your, your snappy slogan is supposed to convey that. Yeah. If it doesn't, it's supposed to help. It's you. bad enough. If it conveys something completely different than what you say you're advocating, even worse. Yep. Okay. You know, we've been going a long time now. Yeah, actually, I think I'm um, about ready to call we're about this, an uh, hour fifteen. So I think we could we could cut it off. Uh, I, just, I also have a call uh, that I have to do in about a half hour. So uh, just got to get going. Okay. Um, I think we're good for today, folks. It's Friday. So uh, as always, we'll be back next week. Cliff, we've got one great guest booked already. And a second one that John doesn't even know who it is yet. Who's agreed to come on. Who's awesome. So we're, we're, uh, we're going to give you some good content next week. My friends. Okay, guys, then uh, we'll talk to you next week as always. (laughs) And uh, keep on rocking in the free world. Assuming it is. Jesus. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye. And now a word from our sponsor. John, the holiday season is the one time we all get to indulge in our favorite traditions and feel like a kid again. No matter what you celebrate, everybody shares in the spirit of giving, whether it's giving gifts to our favorite people or spreading cheer to everybody around you. 
This year, give yourself and the ones you love the opportunity to look as young as the season makes you feel with Plexiderm. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that gives your appearance the right kind of changes. Visibly reduces wrinkles, fine lines, and even under-eye bags in minutes. Plexiderm even works on laugh lines, number, number 11s, and crow's feet. Take up to 10 years off your appearance in less than 10 minutes. The result will last for hours, so you can relax, surrounded by loved ones, knowing you're always looking your best. Even better, Plexiderm doesn't involve any visits to a surgeon, and it's cheaper than a round of hot cocos for you and your loved ones. You can try a six-application trial pack for just $14.95 with free shipping when you visit buyplex.com backslash sexyliberal or call 800-685-1292 and say the code sexyliberal. This order also comes with free shipping and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Make those wrinkles, lines, and under-eye bags disappear with Plexiderm. Visit B-U-I-P-L-X dot com backslash sexy liberal or call 800-685-1292 and say the code sexy liberal at checkout 